This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins, powered by BetUS. 879-BETUS or BetUS.com. All right, ready? Greg, are you ready for uh, Game 3, Week 3, Raiders-Patriots? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles. Of course, it's brought to you by BetUS. Check them out at BetUS.com. And I must do this obligatory thing at the beginning of our podcast. Uh, Please check out the podcast ratings and reviews. Leave something back there for us. Uh, Hopefully a nice review, a nice rating. We would appreciate it. Uh, That's how we actually get this thing moving and and, and get some momentum and, and have more people watching and do more of them. So, uh, continue to do that. And for those that have done that, we appreciate you. Uh, let's start with Cam Newton. It feels like we do that every week. Well, let's start with the money thing. Right. You don't want to talk about Matthew Slater and the special teams? I mean, no, God, no, no, no. Um, you know, all, all due respect to Matthew. He's done a great job, great service, you know, been, been awesome in special mm-hmm. teams and all that good stuff. Good leader, but uh, no, I don't want to start there. Okay. So I, I've been hearing a lot of people talking about a contract extension for Cam. Wait, wait, now it's okay to pay Cam? Wait. <laughs> I mentioned something a month ago and like people are trying to hang me. Now everybody wants to back up the Brinks truck. Whoa. Yeah, you see, that's Boy, how it things works. change quickly around here. Yeah. Just it's like the weather in New England. That's it. Wait you five minutes. Flip and flop when you can flip and flop uh, your thoughts. I mean, the idea of the Patriots walking up to cam right now before the third game of the season and attempting to extend him crazy idea. Uh, I think so. Now, now, look, let me explain, because some people are probably like, what, Bedad, now he doesn't want to pay Cam? What's it's the deal? Bedad. Listen what? to Bedad. Listen to this joker. Uh, <laughs> so, so here's the deal. I, I just wanted to give Cam some more money. Just basically what I just wanted to do was guarantee his incentives, because right now he's supposed to make, I think, baseline with game day active bonuses – it's like 1.75 million. You know, right. the, now there are incentives and things like that. It can get up to I think four and a half or something or five, something like that. Um, and I just, I just think it's ridiculous. And I still think it's ridiculous that guys like Jeff Driscoll, who's starting for the Broncos now, makes more money than Cam Newton. That there's a bunch of jokers in this league. Uh, that make more money than Cam Newton. I thought it was ridiculous a month ago. I think it's ridiculous now. And the only thing I wanted to do was just guarantee his incentives. So like his baseline was like five or 6 million, you know, keep the incentives in there. If, if he has a great season, if he's MVP, if they go to the Super Bowl, he makes like 10 or 12 million. That's fine. That's all I wanted to do. And this is the reason why I wanted to do it. There were two reasons. Number one, well, a few reasons. Number one was, if the Patriots wanted to add somebody uh, via trade, what have you, sign a free agent, say Damon Snacks Harrison, who would right. help this defensive line right now, he yep. probably hasn't signed yet because he's like, well, I'm not going to go play in the trenches for a million bucks. And yeah. he's right to do that. It's a little bit different, you know, even though Cam's running all over the place and taking a beating, it's a little bit different, you know, for a quarterback in this league. To say, okay, I'm going to take short money right now and then get paid down the line. So that's one thing. Uh, another thing was just a just a signal to the to the locker room. And at the time, I wrote it, and people were just appalled. Like, you know, <laughs> why should they pay him any they were, more money? They were they were up in arms, Greg. Yes. Up in arms. Yeah. And I said, well, I, and I said, when he earns the starting job, which he was going to do, 
And I did not expect him to be named a captain. That's an added bonus, but it's a good, it's a really good sign to the rest of the locker room. And I know there are fans who think that this doesn't matter, but trust me, it matters a ton. Even in the Patriots locker room where apparently nobody makes any money ever and doesn't care. That is just not (laughs) correct. But NFL players in every locker room care what they're making. They care what the other guy is making. Yep. And so if, if the, if all of a sudden the Patriots once cam earned the starting job was named captain, if they came to him and they say, you know what, we're going to guarantee your incentives, your bonuses, that would have looked really good to the other players in the locker room. And they, they would have been like, all right, they're doing right by cam. That's a really good job. Maybe that will affect my contract negotiations down the road maybe I'll give them the benefit of the doubt I mean, probably not but it couldn't hurt and uh you know the the other reason that I wanted to pay Cam a, a, a little bit more money was just you know I, I I just think it was just the right thing to do and so that's where I came from as far as paying Cam but as far as signing him to an extension that doesn't make any sense because no. They have him on the franchise tag next year yep. after this season. And and I made this point uh, earlier on Boston Sports Beat, but even if, say, 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 say they franchise Cam after the season and say Cam doesn't really like it and he sticks around, they could franchise him again. And if you – so that's three years' worth of Cam, one for like a million dollars, two years at the, at, at, at the franchise tag, the second franchise tag would be a lot more. You could Belichick could justify that by looking at the three-year average, yeah, a million dollars bringing everything down, and so yep. three years of Cam is probably less than they play for a franchise quarterback. So, I just think I think giving him a little bit more money now would smooth over if they do franchise tag him. And yeah. and and if I'm and if I'm Cam's people. And this is the way it went with Joe Tooney. It goes with everybody who might be on the on the tag, who are tagged, who they might be coming to an extension. That's where the bidding starts once you get on the tag. So like Joe Tooney, he's making $14.5 million. The tag, if they did it again on him, would be 120% of that. So the negotiations now start with Joe Tooney at like $16, $17 million a year. Ooh, and holy. so – that's sort of where all this comes from. So long story short, Nick, sorry to, you know, drone, drone <laughs> on good. and on. It's all good. But, um, I, first of all, I haven't seen enough from Cam yet. And we don't know how he's going to hold up physically. And if the Patriots Wait a minute, wait a minute. So, so two weeks isn't long enough for you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, you know, so he, he, he was, he's been the whole offense so far. Uh, week one, he was carrying the ball all over the place. Week two, he's throwing the ball all over the place, taking some late shots and all that stuff, and you know, running on the goal line, you know, jumbo package and all that stuff. This is a guy who hasn't finished his last couple NFL seasons. So, who knows? Remember, the last time Cam was really good on the field, twenty eighteen, he started eight and zero. I think that was the record, or six and two. It was. It was. It was really games. good. Yeah, it was six and two. He was playing really well, and then all of a sudden his, arm, his shoulder gave out. And he couldn't even finish the season. They had to bring people in to throw Hail Marys. Like, that That could still happen. So, for that reason, I wouldn't do it. But the other reason is, 
you know, you had the franchise tag in your back pocket. It's now a weapon for you. It's not like Brady writing in, you can't franchise tag me. It's, it's a viable alternative. I think the most prudent thing would just get show, give Cam a show of faith in all of branch that says, Hey, we appreciate what you're doing. We appreciate. And I, I got to tell you, and we might talk about this more, the stuff that I'm hearing behind the scenes about this guy, about what kind of leader he is, is like off the charts. And so we feel really good about that. We want to do business down the road. We're not yep. there yet, but yep. this is a show of good faith. And then maybe, maybe in the off season, Cam's a little bit more, you know, ready to sign a long-term contract extension. But right now, I don't think it makes sense for sense for either side. Two more quick points off of this, because I think you hit a lot of the stuff that I would say you unpacked a lot there. Uh, but two more points. One point is the fact that if we look at the quarterback position last offseason, supply and demand was off, right? I mean, yep. Cam, that's the reason why Cam's in New England. It's the reason why Jameis Winston is, you know, where he is with the Saints, making, what, a, a million bucks, and Andy Dalton took a, a short deal down in Dallas, yep. et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know if the supply and demand is going to be similar next offseason. I think it likely will be because you add three more franchise quarterbacks likely coming into this draft in April. So yeah. the supply and demand is off. And secondly, let's not forget how COVID is going to affect the salary cap. And with COVID affecting mm -hmm. the salary cap, it's not like Cam's going to have his choice of teams to pick from because teams are going to have a much tougher time staying under that salary cap slot. And therefore, not a lot of teams, Greg, I think would be in position to offer Cam 20, 25, $30 million for, you know, whatever it's going to take. So I think the Patriots, as far as Cam goes, in the driver's seat, you don't lose anything by waiting. All right, let's get to the leadership. I mean, you just dropped a little bit of a nugget. You left the crumb. Uh, I, did, I did see some things and hear some things this week. Number one, I heard Cam on the Greg Hill Show and on WEEI say, yep. the answers are in that locker room. The answers are in that locker room. Mm. And then that was followed up by Nikhil Harry. And Harry saying, I'm paraphrasing, but it's great to have your quarterback trust you. Yep. That made me feel like this relationship between quarterback and receiver this year compared to last season and, and Brady, as great as he was, is much, much, much different. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. And, you know, look, I think it, it, it's great for Cam to say what he said about the receivers and they're in that room and everything. And who knows? They might be. He might believe that. I don't know. I don't I, I just don't think that he does. Um you know, I think they have potential and, um, you know, one thing I think we'll talk about is, you know, are they going to get anything out of the tight end position this year? But, you know, set that aside for a second. But uh, I, I think there's no doubt that, um, and I had heard this in training camp, that Cam behind the scenes has been been in the ear of Nikhil Harry uh, a lot. And that's nice to hear. <laughs> yeah. And it, it is. And, and, you know, I don't want to throw Brady under the bus or anything, but you know, we all know what the deal was. He did not, he was not happy with the weapons last year. He was pouty. He didn't like it, all that stuff. And, and, and it put pressure on the kids, you know, it did. And it's, you know, and it's, and it's tough. I mean, you, you we've all been through it, you know, when, uh, when daddy's not happy in the house, you know, when he comes home from a tough day at work. <laughs> yeah, he's come storming through the door. Yeah. You know, he's looking to go off. You don't want to set him off. You stay away. That was sort of the thing with Brady last year. It was like, hey, you know, geez, I don't want, I don't want to get dad all mad. I don't want anything thrown at me, you know, anything like that. And uh, 
So Cam's been really good. And, and, and it, the thing is, is when I first heard this stuff in training camp, Nick, I, I thought, all right, you know, he's, he's new to the team, whatever. Like you the know. honeymoon phase kind of deal. Like, all exactly. right, it's new, it's fresh. Everybody's going to say all the right things early on. Yep. But I got to tell you, I, from what I hear, this is all this stuff has continued into the season. Uh, he, you know, I, I've heard from multiple people around the team that, you know, on the sidelines during games, and I'm sure we'll probably get more of this stuff as, you know, some of the sounds of the games and things like that NFL film starts to come out. But, yeah, you know, I hear that he's unbelievable on the sidelines. Um, we've heard about the work ethic that's all continued. I just, people, look, Tom Brady, maybe at the end of his Patriots career, we can all quibble with some of the decisions that he made, off-season workouts, what have you. But there's no doubt that Tom, for a very long time, was the straw that stirred the drink in there. And everything went because of Tom and his work ethic and his leadership and his belief in his teammates and things like that. And I got to tell you, and I, I, I can't judge these people and say, all right, well, maybe there's some sour grapes with Tom. But these people that I've talked to, they've been blown away by Cam. And they, you know, they, they haven't made any direct comparisons to Brady yet. But you, you, talking to them, you get the sense that this is – it's different and it's on a different level. And this is one of the things I wrote about after they signed Cam, which was the Patriots have never seen a player. And maybe, you know, across all sports in Boston, you've never quite seen a player – with this kind of power in the locker room and that yeah. he's bought in, I think just, it, it, I think it, I think it really raises the bar on what this team could achieve this year. I mean, we'll see the proof will be in the pudding and they are one in one. Let's not lose sight of that, but I'll tell you what, you know, the people I talked to, they're, they're excited about what's going on and cams at the heart of it. And I know we keep talking about cam, but he is the show right now. He is. He is. He's the show. I mean, Sunday Night Football, he was absolutely the show. One thing I would add to all, everything you just said, and it's great insight from you as, as usual, the one thing I would add to that is, listen, you can say what you want to say, and, and people will look at Cam and, and think, well, he's saying the good thing and the right thing right now, and he's trying to get behind his young receivers. I care less about what he says than what he does. And I thought on Sunday night, he played like a guy who believed in the receivers he was throwing to. Now, that might be because he knows he doesn't have any other options, but you had that tight window throw on third down to Jacoby Myers. He fit yep. it right in. That's a big spot in the game. That's a trust throw. You think Myers is going to be able to get down and get that football, and he does. And then let's not forget the play that set up the Patriots on the one-and-a-half, two-yard line, whatever it was, Late in that game, that was a throw to Nikhil Harry. That was the biggest throw of the game to set them up to hopefully try to win that game, fingers crossed, which they didn't, of course. But that tells me, you know, you can talk the talk, but you've got to walk the walk. And with Harry and Myers and, and even Demir Bird a little bit, they can now look, on the game, look at the game film and say, okay, Sunday Night Football, Seattle, this was a drive to hopefully win the game. And there he is throwing the football to me. Okay, against Seattle, big time third down, tight window throw, coverage is great. He trusts me that I'm going to get down there and get that and make that catch. All right, I'm Demir Bird. He kept throwing me those out routes outside the numbers. He kept trusting me, trusting me, went to me really early. So it's not only what he's saying, he's following through. And as we saw, again, 
every time you talk about this, it becomes a referendum on Brady, which it shouldn't. Right. We all agree great, Brady was great. He's the greatest of all time. Yada, 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 yada. But when you look at how Brady reacted on the field to these guys, he was not only a curmudgeon behind closed doors, as you said, like the dad walking in after work, but he also would not feed them. And he would also kind of belittle them on the field and belittle them on the sidelines. And so this is a complete turn. This is not only behind closed doors is he in these guys' ears making them feel better, but he's also, when it's game time, he's looking their way, he's throwing their way, and he's trusting that they're going to make the play. Yeah, I think I think that's huge. You can't just if you're going to be a lip, uh, if you're going to be a leader and and really in in fact change into a team, like it can't just be lip service. Like you got to right. back yeah. it up on the field. And I think that's that's where cams uh, really come through. Now, you know, I do, I do as usual want to give the other side of this, and this is you know we need to see what happens. I mean, if this team goes through, and I do think with the schedule you know, coming Oof. up, they're going to be very challenged. I mean, oh, I'm, boy. Yep. I mean, my, my prediction for the season, I had them at one and one and I also had them at four and six before they reeled off six straight <laughs> yeah. wins. So, yeah. you know, it's all, you know, cams played really well so far uh, to me. And I've watched both films, both games, and I will for the whole year. I, I, he's outperformed Brady. I think part of that is Josh McDaniels and the coaching staff of the Patriots. Um, but, you know, I, I think, I think this it can't be all good with Cam. It's never been all just good with Cam in his career. Uh, so there, it's it. A time is coming, you know, probably when it's cold out and the days are short and we're all miserable here in New England in you know in December and we want to get outside and it's miserable out where Cam starts to you know you know start to feel it a little bit and gets a little cranky and so yeah. we'll. We'll see. I, st- I still think very much this is the honeymoon phase, as you mentioned before, and I still think that's going on. And we'll, let's see where we are after the Chiefs and the Ravens and what their record is and all that. And, 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 and once teams get more and more film on what the Patriots are doing, that's another factor that no one's really talking about. The game one was a certain game plan. Game two was the first time anybody saw Cam Newton throw downfield in this offense. Now they now the smart teams are going to have more of a beat on what they want to do, and then they're going to be able to create better defensive game plans against him and the Patriots. So, you know, a lot a, a lot of adversity is coming down the pike for this team, and that will lead them to try to find some adjustments and do things differently, and maybe get some other people involved. I'll tell you, walking into this season, I was excited to see mostly Duggar. And Asi Asi, as far as the rookie class goes. Maybe a little bit of Jennings, because late in, late in the process, people yep. started talking about Jennings a little bit more. Mm-hmm. We, we've seen Duggar. We talked about him on the last podcast. He's showing up. Unfortunately, he just showed up on the injury report. Hopefully, it's not a big deal. <laughs> Put the hex on him. But he, you did. You, the, <laughs> the, 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 the Bada jinx. Um, so, but when you, look at, when you look at Asi Asi, completely non-existent, what the hell's going on at the tight end position? Yeah. Uh, it's not good. I mean, I will say that I, you know, I think, um, Izzo's done a, a nice job this year when he's gotten opportunities. Um, he, he, he's done a really nice job blocking on one of the, the other touchdown where Newton went over left end. I think it was the, it was the counter. Uh, Izzo had a really nice drive block into the end zone, drove his guy back like, you know, four or five yards. And, and so, you know, he's still challenged a lot of times at blocking and that's, been more of my issue with him than anything else in his time. So, but he, ha- he, he has a certain ceiling. 
you know, and it's, he's a good sort of get you by tight end grunt type of guy. They need, this offense needs something in the middle of the field outside of Julian Edelman, who, you know, barely made it through the last game and it's week two. And the hope was that it was going to be Devin Asiasi. And very early in camp, you saw flashes of what this kid could be. He's got a little bit of a shake down the field. You know, he's not, he's not the trimmest guy or the greatest athlete, but for a big guy, he's a pretty good athlete. He reminds I said at the time when I was watching film of him in college and, and it, and it still seems apt. He reminds me of Jermaine Wiggins. Yeah, I was you thinking know, that. I was thinking you're going to drop a Wiggy on a me. A little right Wiggy. There. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he reminds me of Wiggins. And, his, and Wiggins was a good, you know, pass catching tight end. I mean, he, he was. was, you know, when he went to Minnesota, he put up a ton of good numbers that one year. So, but so that was sort of the hope for Devin Asiasi. And so the, we saw that early in camp. Since then, there's really been nothing. I mean, in practice, in that, in that they're not even the, – the telling sign for me, Nick, is that they haven't even decided to dial up a play for him. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, normally yep. if you have a guy that you're just like, all right, we just need to get him going, yep. then you, di- you take one route, one something that he does well, and you do it. It could be a wide receiver screen. It could – whatever. That they haven't decided to do that once – that's very telling to me and and from some of the conversations I've had with people uh, they won't really say a lot that also says a lot to me and I had the feeling because I've seen other rookies go through this is that you have rookies who at some point they realize that like the NFL is hard like and it's either it's either you push through it or you sort of deal with it and you muddle through it and you don't really get through it for a while. And I think I have a feeling that Asiasi sort of in that right now. And that's just not, it's not good enough for this team. Yeah. Um, you know, Dalton Keene's got the neck injury. That's a tough, that's a tough deal for a guy that was going to play his position, which is more of an H back. So you're going to have to block neck injuries are terrible in that regard. So I don't know how much you're going to get out of Keen, but they need to get something out of the tight end position. And if it's not Ossie Ossie, and at some point here, probably in the next two or three weeks, if Ossie Ossie does not take a step forward, then I think they need to think about other options and look in on the trade market. Delaney Walker's still out there. How about a little Delaney Walker? See if he's got anything left. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I would – hey, it's not guaranteed right now bring him in he could be another guy who's not willing to sign the cam newton deal it's a good point you know yeah, and a, that's part of the issue you know yeah, it's a money thing we, we mentioned snacks harrison earlier he apparently yep. is going to take a visit to seattle maybe it's maybe it is just purely money and, and that's pretty much all we're looking at uh before we look at the raiders i've got to get one thing uh, across here with you I, I think it's interesting i i think you would have a bone to pick just <laughs> judging by what we said the last podcast you kind of went in on Isaiah Wynn. You were not a big fan of his performance against Seattle. A little bit. Well, a little bit. A little. You, you didn't think he was great. You didn't think he was really, really good. Um, you thought he was great the first week. You didn't think he was as good this past week. That would be a more fair assessment, I think. However, yeah. I look at pro football focus saying that Isaiah Wynn had zero pressures, Greg, 0.0. So, my friend, Badad, what gives? Yeah. So uh, I saw this, and Pro Football Focus <laughs> loves to do this. They love to send out their their tweets, something that will, um, 
Yeah, this is a side discussion, but something that will, will you know, arouse the uh, hey the enthusiastic Patriots fans or a team of any team. It's not just yeah. specific to the get Patriots. them all worked up. Get yeah, they're looking to get the you know homers going. Like, oh yeah, maybe I'll you know pay. I get it. I run a business too. Trust me, I would probably get more subscriptions if I just you know um, put on don the pond uh, pat Patriot outfit every week and, and um <laughs> i could not and, imagine that happening with you no not really uh but um so yeah they put that out there now i agree i had isaiah win and jermaine illuminor uh as some of my top players from the first game i didn't i don't think i had him for a pressure in that game i thought he was really good and and i will say and once i saw that i went back and i checked the film again because i'm not Trust me, I make mistakes. Maybe I got something mixed up, but I went back and I and I looked at the film again, and uh, what I saw again backed up what I thought. And and I will say this, I thought he pass walked really well in that game overall. I would say like ninety percent of his snaps, he probably right. did a really nice job. But he did have some pressures, and and more. One of the reasons why I had him as a down in that game was because. He actually had a lot of issues in the running game and he missed some really key blocks. Like for example, in this, I'm not sure if I, if I rated this a pressure, but you can make the argument. Just look at the interception that Cam Newton threw. And look, I'm not blaming the interception on Shaq Mason. I would have noted that on my chart and I didn't. Uh, But on that play, it's designed to be a quick hitter to the outside and it called for Isaiah Wynn to cut Bruce Irvin on the end. And Wynn missed his cut. And Irvin went around him, and he jumped up. And it might have affected Cam a little bit on that interception. It might have made him hesitate and throw the ball late. Or, you know, it was, it was not a good throw. I mean, I'm still not going to absolve Cam. It's his fault. It was a bad throw. But Wynn did factor into that play to me. So that's just one play. But it, there was also a play – a very key play uh, late in the game. You remember they they started to move the ball and then they had a failed tunnel screen to Demir Bird to the left. It was like yeah. second and two. They called the screen. And the screen was perfectly set up. It was a great call by Josh McDaniels. Nikhil Harry misses the block, the key block, and it goes yep. nowhere, I think, for yep. no gain. On the next play, they run a toss to Rex Burkhead. And while this – this block would have been really difficult. Isaiah Wynn's supposed to get out on Jamal Adams, at least get out there, and instead he turned the other way. And so there were a few plays like that in this game. Uh, I had him for only giving up two pressures in the game. There was a knockdown and there was a hurry. Uh, but I also had about five or six, um, you know, odd plays in the running game. And, you know, the thing is, is that uh, I'm just looking right now, and in that game, pro football, maybe he didn't give up. Uh, he didn't give up a uh, a pressure to them, but he only had a sixty three rating in that game, and that is average. And yeah. so, it wasn't great, you know. And uh, I thought he was I, he was better in the first game. Their their grade for him was seventy eight in the first game. I thought he was better than that. Um, so you know, there's always going to be differences of of opinion. None of us know what the Patriots were running, what was exactly everybody's responsibility. But I grade every game the same, 
and I am confident in my numbers for him in that game after a second look, I'm sure they're comfortable with their numbers. And that's sometimes we're just going to have a disagreement and that, that happens. All right. Before we uh, move on and look forward to Sunday against the Raiders, which I think is going to be a very interesting game to break down. First, Greg Bedard will be a gentleman and tell us all about BetUS.com. Yeah. Listen up, sports bettors. This is Greg Bedard here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that's BetUS. Football, basketball, and baseball are all back. Thank God the Red Sox are almost over. At least we'll, <laughs> at least we'll have the playoffs. <laughs> They're playing too good. They got to stop winning. Seriously, I hate to root. stop I hate, winning. Yeah, I hate to root for a team to lose, but come on. You got to lose you win. a top three pick. Yeah, I want the number two overall pick. I want Outlighter's kid or one of those guys. Yeah. Give me something. Come All right, on. give me something Killing out of this suck bag season. Anyways, <laughs> and that, but it means it's time to get down your bets. And trust me, I'll be all in on the baseball playoffs because that's when I really dial in. I only endorse one sports book, and that's BetUS.com. Why, you ask? BetUS is the pioneer in online betting with more than 25 years in the biz. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity, and you need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, Horses, big UFC this Saturday night. Big UFC. Israel Adesanya versus Paulo Costa. Uh, very, yeah, very big fight. That's your realm. Nobody <laughs> in the industry gives bigger bonuses than BetUS. Go to BetUS.com now and fill out your information. Only takes a minute. When you get, this is important, when you get to the How Did You Hear About Us box, type in Boston Sports Journal, and you can get up to 150% in bonuses on your first deposit. By the way, speaking of BetUS and betting, I checked out, so when we did the podcast before, the opening in that game was Patriots favored by six and a half. Yeah. And now I think, it's five. I think we both, yeah, I think we both felt like that was heavy, and now it's yep. down to five. So I guess eventually, you know, it, it was a little bit too heavy for some people. Yep. All right, let's talk about this game, Greg. Coming up on Sunday, it's a one o'clock kickoff. Let's start offensively for the Raiders. They, they obviously have a few guys you've got to watch. Darren Waller is going to be an issue. If he's healthy, he was not at practice today. Mm-hmm. Um, if he is healthy and he's out there, I don't know if that's a little bit of Chucky gamesmanship on Belichick or not, but if Waller is out there, we saw him on Monday night against New Orleans. He lines up tight. He lines up in the slot. He lines up on the outside. At times, they even put him in the backfield. So Waller's going to be an issue. Um, I guess my first question to you is how would you, if you're Belichick, how would you defend Walder? Who would you use? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I hadn't really thought of it. I, I, I know, I, I think I saw very early on that some people mentioned Stefan Gilmore. Um, that's possible. Um, but I mean, I, I don't see any reason why I, it should be Juwan Williams. I mean, that's his job. Um, he's done fine at it. Um, I would give him a shot. And then if it's not working, then I might think about something different, but I think, you know, I I think the Patriots will have a plan for Waller. I don't think it'll just be one, one person because you just do not want him to beat you. I think, you know, the, when you look at this Raiders offense, the thing that stands out and, uh, I just wrote a column about this for Boston sports journalists, uh, you know, every time I watch them, and I watched a lot of their film last year, like the thing that that you're most impressed about is like is Gruden is just he's damn good. He's damn good at what he does. He's going to have a really good plan. He's going to have some. He's going to dial up some really good plays and guess the right coverage. And 
you know, the Patriots are going to be vulnerable a couple times. But the problem is, is that Derek Carr just, there are some times where he just does not take advantage of what his coach has given him. And it happened. And, and the thing is, the tighter the game, the bigger the stakes, the more sort of Carr shrinks. And this is the reason why they lost four games in a row last year and fell out of the playoff race. Um, there were multiple games like against the Titans where if Carr just pushed the ball down the field, they could have made plays. There was a game, they're down uh, 10-0 right before halftime against the Saints on Monday night. Gruden dials up this just beautiful, you know, cover two or cover one beater. I forget what the coverage was, but it was just perfect. Uh, Carr pump faked to the outside. The corner bit on it. The safety bit on it. And he had his choice. He had not one option. He had two options. It was either (laughs) down the sideline or to the post. And what happened? Carr didn't throw either of them. He held the ball forever. Incognito gets a holding call. Carr gets sacked. Like if I'm if I'm Gruden and I'm watching that film uh, the next day, I'm throwing things in my office because that's why you, as a play caller and as a schemer and a game planner, you live for those moments and you set it up on a tee for your quarterback and he just wouldn't take it. And there's so many times where Carr will just take the check down. And there, it, it, there was a quote in my column. I remember him saying it last year where you could just hear the, the frustration in Gruden's voice where he's just like, you know, I want to, I want to push the ball down the field. Like I don't, these check downs and bubble screens, like aren't really doing it for me. And it was, a, it was a total shot at Carr and it was totally warranted. And even though he's off to a really good start this year, He's still doing some of the same stuff, and that's fine in week one against the Panthers. It's fine when Drew Brees can't throw the ball and they don't have Michael Thomas. You don't have to worry about falling behind that much. But against a team like the Patriots and Cam Newton, who are probably going to put up points against that Raiders defense, it is not going to be good enough. And I think if if, if I'm the Patriots, I'm stacking the line. Uh, they don't have Incognito. They don't have Trent Brown. I love Rodney Hudson in the center. Uh, I love watching him play. But Josh Jacob, I'm stopping Josh Jacobs. I'm taking care of Waller. And then and I bet you Belichick is watching the film. He's like, Carr doesn't have the balls to beat me. He's not, I don't know. I'm not worried about him. So, you know, we'll see. Can I say that on this? I, yeah, you can say whatever you want, technically. Yeah. I mean the cojones, I meant. I actually don't, you know, I don't I don't mind Carr. Um I don't he, he's actually I don't think He's a good player. Yeah, I don't just, think he's. I don't think he's great. I think he's good. I think he's a starting quarterback in the league. Uh, but I do think he plays it safe at times. Early mm-hmm. on in the game, I thought he missed a couple of throws. The first drive or two that were there, he just missed them. Yep. And I remember the play you're talking about he'll as wait well. Wait a little he late. A he'll, he'll wait a little bit. Like he'll yeah. just. Yeah. Like he's so. It's like he doesn't want to turn the ball over and like. Right. You know. Every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, when you look at when you look at this game offensively for the Patriots, I feel like there's opportunities there. You know, yep. when I when I look at a young secondary, when I was watching that game against the Saints on Monday night, it looked like at the second level, especially yep. they were having some issues getting off their blocks. I thought Alvin Kamara had a lot of running lanes to get through wide open at, at certain points. I think the Patriots, if they want to go back to running the football a little bit, I think they can do that on Sunday, and then maybe eventually that'll open things up in the second half. I, I think the Patriots can score some points in this game, Greg. I think they can too. I think I think we're going to come out of this game and just be like, 
Wow, Dan, they looked really good on offense. I think this is the type of, first of all, you know, I respect Paul Gunther, the defensive coordinator. You know, he's a football guy. I just, you know, and, and he learned the feet of Mike Zimmer in Cincinnati, and it's basically the same scheme. It's just Zimmer has more talent. He just, it's not a very good scheme. It's not, it, it, it doesn't trick quarterbacks. It doesn't trick offensive coordinators. You know, it's pretty much the 4-3, and there'll be some zone. There'll be a little bit of man, but, you know, so there's that. But then there's also, you know, that they tried to totally remake the linebacker core, which they needed to do. Last year was a complete disaster. They did get um, Nick Kwiatkowski, who yeah, very underrated Bears player. Yeah, he's, he's been played, hurt for Chicago. Yeah, he's actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah he is, but he's been hurt. Um, Corey Littleton, who they got from the Rams, he's he's another guy who's he's fast, but uh, he's small and can be pushed around, like you said. The other guy, Nicholas Moreau, uh, number fifty at linebacker. Yeah, he had the pick against Breeze. Yeah, but he I mean it was thrown right to him. <laughs> it was thrown right to him. He's not good. Like what you want to do is you want to get him in man coverage and dust him. I think I think that the Patriots and the other thing about this defense is like they're very young in the secondary. I think they have some good players like uh Jonathan Abram, the safety. Uh I think that uh uh Damon Arnett has a chance to be a good player, uh first round pick. But as a whole uh, from the second level to the secondary, like these guys, they make a lot of mental mistakes. Yeah. And yep. I think there are going to be a lot of big plays, a lot of busts. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a few trick plays that Josh McDaniels has maybe saved up from the first couple of games. There was, remember they tried the halfback pass with James White, yep. but uh, he didn't have it. So he pulled it down something because these guys really at times they can look like a clown show in the secondary. And so I think if the Patriots can, can, can get that going, I think they could put up a lot of points this week. Yeah, I agree with you. Let's get to the uh, Boston sports journal.com member question of the day. You can check them out at BSJ 11 cents a day on their annual plan. Not only do you get top notch analysis of all the Boston pro sports, but if you're a Patriots junkie, and if you're listening to this podcast, then you probably are a Patriots hope junkie. So. <laughs> then a membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis. I was watching Greg's analysis of Kyle Duggar uh, just yesterday, as a matter of fact. Uh, Bedard pulls that coach's film up. He shows you what's going on. And you also get direct access to Greg in weekly chats, which is excellent. I saw somebody tweet at Greg today, and Greg made the point. You know, this question is something I love to dive into, but I, I don't do that on Twitter because it would take a little too long. So get involved with BSJ. That and Twitter doesn't get involved. Yeah, with, the, with those chats. <laughs> um, so let's go to uh, Cape Cod Scott. He's got the question today. Uh, Greg, I've watched the final play in Seattle a million times. It seems to me that Cam misread where he should go on that play. If he had bounced it out around left, uh, he would have walked in for the win left end, he said. Uh, did you see that too? It's a great question, and it's something that I wanted to bring up uh, on Tuesday when we were talking about this play. And, of course, Cam has talked about this a few times right. uh, that, you know, I could have made people right. I could have bounced it outside. And it does look that way on film. And I do I think that if he decided to do that, could he have scored? Could he have dove at the pylon and scored? Yeah, it's possible. But here's – why I don't think that was a good idea and I don't blame him. Well, first of all, 
I mean, the biggest reason, and they're both interconnected, is you know it, that that safety uh, Lano or whoever came up and you know took out Jakob Johnson, who did not do a good job with his pad level and got blown up. That guy did a nice job of if Cam did decide to go to the outside at that point, he would basically have to step backwards and then go to the outside. And so he'd, he does, like have to, he'd have to reroute himself. Yes, in yes, at, in a split second. And yeah. like Cam, because of the way the other plays went, he's just like, well, I'm going right through this hole again because it's been there all the, all the time. And when you has blocked it up, and so he's going to take care of his business, and I trust my blockers. And so Cam was going that way, and then all of a sudden that Collier closed off that lane and to all of a sudden say, all right, now I'm going to bounce it outside. He would have to, like you said, reroute himself, and that takes time. And that folds into the other thing is the number one thing you don't want to do against a fast defense. And we all know how fast Seattle is. And with this play, Cam, he's already started to the line. So everybody's not only is the defensive line slanting that way, but everybody is hauling ass after Cam. And the, the number one thing you do not want to do as a runner against a fast defense is to go parallel to the line of scrimmage. Right. Yeah. You do not want to go sideways because you do that. And, and I think Cam even alluded to this fact that they're, they're a fast defense. And as soon as you do that, like you're just inviting, you know, there's all of a sudden now five blockers on you. And could Cam have powered his way? Sure. He definitely could have. He could have beaten him to the pylon. We've seen him. I think he ran like, I don't know, 19, 20 miles an hour in the opener or something he like did. that. He did. Yes, he did. Yeah. He, he, they don't call him Superman for nothing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at that size. At that size. I know. It's unbelievable. I mean, I just, just an aside real quick. I remember the first time I saw him at Panthers practice when I went to cover for SI and I was just like, holy crap, is that guy big? Yeah. I mean, I, I saw him play. I was at Gillette when they played the Panthers. I think it was what 2017 oh, yeah, or something. Yeah. When they they got beat pretty good. Uh, the defense was a disaster, and that's when everybody was freaking out about oh, yeah, Gilmore the and the Gilmore, secondary yeah. and all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, the first you see him play in person, just first of all how huge he is, but then how he moves. It's it's a sight to see on a football field. Yeah, and and you know the other thing in hindsight, and I watched the. Uh, the turning point video or whatever. And I watched all that stuff is, you know, in hindsight, probably if you gave Josh McDaniel, like they probably should have anticipated this, the slanting of the defensive line. I don't know. I, I still don't know how much, the, if they just all of a sudden flipped it to the other side, would it have been easier? I don't know. I don't You know, those blockers are going that way. So those guys, you know, the, the, the defensive line is slanting that way. So the blockers have to go with them. I think, and so there might not have been as many blockers on that other side if they did flip it. I just – I still come back to the fact – and I don't even care that they knew what was coming and that they were sending Bobby Wagner through. If on when you blocks his guy, if he doesn't let Collier cross his face, that's a touchdown. Cam yep. bowls his way into the end zone. And so I'm still in the same camp, but I understand Cape Cod Scott's uh, – his question, I think it's legit – I just think that defense is too fast to do that against. Yeah, and the offensive line, as you said, Amanu's got to do a better job. Yep. All right, your pick for this week, of course, we, we mentioned this a little bit earlier. Don't forget, betus.com. Uh, the line has dropped to five. The Patriots are laying the points, obviously. Who are you going with? I'm laying the points. I think, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, for the reasons that we talked about, I think that 
just, I think this is, I don't think the Raiders are ready for this. I think, you know, maybe if they had their offensive line intact, because they, when that line is together, they are something else. And yeah. with Gruden pulling the trigger and mixing things up and Josh Jacobs, and they got the Richard kid who's a speedy back out of the backfield. And, um, you know, I just think they got two rookie receivers that they're relying on. Zay Jones isn't any good. I do like the, uh, what's the kid's name from Clemson? Uh, Renfro. Renfro is a good player. Yeah. Uh, but what'd you, you know, what really, you think of Rugs, by the way, watching him on film? Oh yeah, and Rugs. Um, you know he's fast. Yeah, I mean he's definitely <laughs> fast. Uh, you know he's fine. I just don't know if that's the type of weapon for Carr. Um, it's a good point. It's a great. You know, point. You, you could see them dialing up certain plays for him, and like he was the guy on that post on that play where, right. dude, if you just if he just laid it out there, Rugs runs under it. It's a touchdown. They're gonna have plays like that, and I do. I, I think I think the Patriots um, they're able to make hay against this offensive line. They don't let Jacobs loose. They don't let Waller loose. And then it's really Carr trying to beat you. And I just don't think he can. As long as the Patri- the Patriots and we talked about this a little bit on Tuesday, the Patriots have a certain formula, and they have to get to it, which defensively, because if they don't, their front seven is going to take get taken advantage of. They got to get a lead, and they got to stop the running game and make the other team throw against their secondary. And then all of a sudden that now you have some pass rush because those guys are covering well in the back end. That's what they have to get to. They have to make the other team. Basically they have to force them to throw against their secondary. And that's the path. And I think, I think they'll do that against the Raiders. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I would sound like a broken record if I just told you what I feel exactly what you just said. I, I do think the Patriots will be in the 30 point, area region 30 plus points maybe and I think they hold the Raiders down enough I I do think they force Carr uh, to beat them and I don't think he does uh, accomplish that goal so I I agree I would lay the points I think the Patriots win this game by more than five I wouldn't be surprised if they win it by 10 to 14 as a matter of fact but uh, so we both like the Patriots we'll see if we're right or we're wrong Uh, he is Greg Bedard this is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles thanks to betus.com we'll be back early next week to recap the Patriots and the Raiders.